0: Welcome to the Fellowship College podcast. We're glad you're here. This may be an outdated reference, but today we're talking about idols in America. And it made me think of the show American Idol. Obviously, do people still watch that show?
1: Is it still running?
0: It's still running, I'm pretty sure. I don't watch it anymore. I -hmm. I feel like people would have to if it's still running. Did y'all used to watch that show? Oh yeah. Who's your favorite American Idol of all time? can't say Karen DeWood.
1: Oh, Um, Scotty McCreary. That was a fun one.
0: He he won American Idol? (laughs) He didn't win, he He didn't win, but he was on it. Okay.
1: Basically,
0: basically if you get like top four, you have a a pretty good chance of like making it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like
2: didn't really watch American Idol at all (sighs) for the most part.
0: Man. I was like a Chris Daughtry fan, if you remember him way back when. That's
1: cool. Wasn't David Archuleta on he, there? He
0: was. <gasps> yes, uh King. Bo Bice. You probably never heard of him. He no. made it famous. He was like famous for like, he had a moment in the sun, like a little Icarus moment. And then-
2: <laughs> Then he fell hard. And then
0: he fell hard. Oh, and, and we haven't heard from him since. He flew too close to the sun. Yeah, look up Bo Bice. He's a- man he's he's a character for sure also
2: look up Icarus if you don't know that story it's very helpful
0: <laughs> and look up the documentary Icarus because <laughs> this yeah. is a crazy tangent but it's it's one of the best documentaries ever made has so nothing good. to do with what we're talking about today but it's so good or does it have to do with the idol of success Whoa! Well, oh. it does go look it up watch listen to this podcast and then go watch Icarus immediately and so if you've been following along with us, we have been talking this semester about uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Like how how can we do that better? And so where we started was we spent two weeks talking about, well, if we're going to talk about following Jesus, we got to know who he, who he is. And so we took a very high level view, talked about Jesus being fully God, fully man. What does that mean? look like for us, why is that important? Then we spent a week talking about Jesus as both Lord and Savior and the implications of that. Um, And then we kind of, we talked about, okay, now that we know who he is, how do we spend time with him? How do we get to know him? How do we kind of deepen this intimacy and relationship with him through, through the Holy Spirit? And so we spent two weeks talking about spiritual disciplines and, and now we're kind of shifting towards, okay, what does it look like to become like Jesus and to start to do the type of things that Jesus did as his ambassadors? And so we'll spend a few weeks talking talking through that and take a lot of different angles on it. And so this morning, the, the angle that we're taking on it is, is first, we have to identify the, the roadblocks, like the barriers between us And Jesus, no matter how old you are, no matter where you live, no matter your background, everybody has these, these barriers, these things that whether through their families or through the culture they grew up in, uh, that have kind of painted this narrative in their life, uh, as to what, what's, what's the good life. Like what, what is the life that's going to lead to, we, you know, we might call it happiness or contentment or or some sort of fulfillment and so today speaking to mainly college students in the Bible belt, we're going to tackle some of these barriers to following Jesus that we see because we grew up in, in the Midwest or the south and a lot of pe- a lot of people grew up in Christian homes and so, uh, what are, what are some of these idols, some of these roadblocks that, that we see today in our society?
2: Um, yeah. W- when we were talking earlier, it, people think a lot of times think of the idea of the American dream, which I think has shifted um, depending on your generation. And so for, even for like me, um, being just ahead of current college students and especially college students, it probably doesn't look the same as our parents, like idea of American dream, but generally um, this, this idea of the good life and that that is the thing that we should be pursuing and wrapped up in that is usually um, like a lot of consumerism, uh, comfort, entertainment, um, basically just the type of lifestyle that we're constantly surrounded around which the, the opportunity to even live comfortably in some sense isn't necessarily bad. I mean, especially when you look at most of the world, like people don't even have opportunity to live like that. But giving all parts of your life and letting it be the decision maker for this like idea of good life, kind of American dream style. I think that's a huge one that gets amplified all the more be, even like because of itself, because of consumerism, we're getting marketed like for that constantly. Um, and so it might be like the most in your face, idol that is sometimes hard to figure out, like, is it actually being an idol in your life? And it takes a lot of work to do. So that's the first one that I think of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I think of the American dream, it's almost this idea that, okay, you have to, one, go to college and then find your spouse while you're in college. And then as soon as you graduate, you get married and you have a really stable job and you start having kids. And then, you know, you you get involved in your church and, and all of your kids' activities. And that's like the only pathway in life. And especially when I moved down to Arkansas, I saw that really, really clearly with um, just talking with students and feeling the weight on women that i'm speaking with on hey i'm about to graduate and like i've never dated anyone or i'm about to graduate and i don't know what i'm going to do like i i haven't had any internships or maybe i have but i'm about to graduate and i actually really don't like the field that i'm going into or that i'm studying and and just feeling so much weight surrounding that and i just feel like there is this belief that your life has to go a very specific way and there cannot be any deviation from that. And I mean, oh my goodness, what power, I mean, that's just so much pressure on an individual to do something in a very specific way when we don't know what the Lord's going to do. Like the Lord is the one that we're supposed to be following and he's the one who has our lives laid out for us. And so I just think that, that it is a, a belief that a lot of people have grown up around. And I just, I wish there could be so much freedom from that because um, if you think about it, someone who is. 18 years old going into the workforce, or if they're 22 years old, just graduating from college and going into the workforce, y'all are, your baby adults. You are not a full grown, you're an infant adult at this point. You <laughs> should not have your entire life laid out and figured out. That does not make sense. That is not the the way that things go about for most people most people don't even use their degrees i mean look at literally every single one of us in this, this whole room. this
0: entire room
1: <laughs> um but i'm sure
0: i'll, I'll like <laughs> tape up someone's like sprained wrist someday <laughs> and, use, oh, and yeah. use my degree eventually
1: um, so i don't know i just i i see this i, I don't know if i would Maybe call it, I don't know if it would be an idol. Maybe I guess I guess a little bit in the sense of, oh, this is something that I have to attain and my eyes are focused on this rather than Jesus. But it's just, I feel like this belief that so many people have been raised with that my life has to go a very specific way. If you don't have a full-time job as soon as you graduate from college, that's okay. Like, work odd jobs, figure out, you know, build character, figure out what you like, what you don't like. Um, I just, that- mm. It's
0: for sure an mm. idol. And it's what we'd call the idol of control,
1: mm. wanting
0: to control the outcome of of our lives. Yeah. And it's so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that idols do is that they over, over promise and under deliver Idols will, will promise us some sort of pleasure or satisfaction or, or something, and then end up leaving us wanting more, and, and often end up leaving us in a worse place than, than when we found them. And so the idols, they have, uh, I would say, they have the most power in our lives when they're unaddressed would y'all agree with
2: that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if even if you recognize it, but, th- but don't address it, um, the idol, which is, it's basically like your like North star. It's the thing that is just going to guide you. It is going to inform how you make decisions, why you're making those decisions. Um, that sounds a lot like, if you're following Jesus, that's what that should be. Because if we worship God, then we're going to follow this way of Jesus. Uh, and so, if you leave that unaddressed, you will by default live pursuing whatever the those idols are, or whatever those other ways that are not the way of Jesus are. Because we can't not do that. Like we're always going to be moving in a direction, being informed in a direction. Um, you you don't just not exist in life and so if you aren't being proactive and addressing um, those things and working in the opposite direction away from that way and then back to the way of Jesus then again you will by by default be going that direction. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think a good way to even just identify these idols um, so that we can then reflect and address them is to ask yourself what are things that if I didn't have or I didn't attain, um, would I not be okay? Like if I don't have a full-time steady job as soon as I graduate, will I be okay? If I am not married by 25, like am I going to be okay? Or does does that make me panic a little bit? Um, if I, oh gosh, what are some other ones? Um,
0: well, I think a really good way I I like that. I think a really good way to uh, identify idols in our lives is to think, what do we spend the most time thinking about? What do we spend the most time looking at? What do we spend the most money on? Those tend to be the places where where there's the most idolatry or or where the idols are in our life. And again, if idols were like all bad, it'd be so easy to spot and we probably wouldn't be tricked by them and deceived by them. What makes it actually like really enticing is that there's a lot of good and truth in these, in these things that we're, we're seeking after what we have to do is identify what's the lie in these things. Every, every idol that we're going to talk about today actually stems from a good gift of God that has been twisted and manipulated And so once we identify the lie, then we need to try and put it back into its proper perspective, view those things the way God views them and trust that ultimately that's going to lead to this actual good life or as Jesus says, like uh, the way, like the life that's most uh, abundant.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, Paul at the beginning of Romans, whenever he's talking about um, basically the state of the world <laughs> up until this point, he's slowly beginning to unpack the gospel and he's referring to just humanity, but then you know, specifically the story of the Old Testament. He says that people um, swapped out mm. the creator for his creation wow. and worshiped those things instead. Uh, and so like God gave us so many awesome creations as a blessing to participate in this good life like you're talking about. Mm. Um, and Paul's identifying, hey, right off right off the top literally and especially back then it's like they were literally creating like a golden cow and things like that to worship and as the, an verse, idol. Right, the verse right
0: the reverse right before that in romans one is they exchanged the truth about god mm-hmm. for a lie yeah and worship and serve the creation rather than the mm-hmm. creator yeah it's crazy okay so what we're gonna try try and do just for the rest of the time we have today is just address some of these idols uh identify the lies, speak truth into it, see how they can these things can actually be used to, to point to God and not just to themselves or back at, back at us. And so uh, as we look at some of some of the, the big idols in this culture, again, we're specifically talking about the Bible belt. Uh, the, the one that I feel like hits me the hardest and maybe that's because I'm a you know a seven on the Enneagram but this idol of consumerism, entertainment, or pleasure seeking, where do y'all see that most in this culture? Oh my gosh.
2: I mean, everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> every
0: minute of every Constantly. day.
2: <laughs> um, you know, I, whenever I was thinking about, okay, whenever I was in college, how did we see this? Um, and I think it's really easy, especially, so I went to the University of Arkansas, um, wide demographic of people, obviously, who would go to the University of Arkansas. Most of the people that I found myself around um, were honestly just they people who came from like wealth, um, which is totally fine, but just being surrounded by mainly those types of people where it's like, okay, whenever I walk out into the parking lot everybody's driving like brand new trucks and, you know, SUVs and things like that. Um, and
0: like Northwest Arkansas money is, is even more subtle than like Dallas money. Yes. Exactly. Dallas money. It's like the Mercedes, the G wagons. This it's is like, like oh wait, how much does that truck cost? <laughs> oh, $90,000. How's that? Like what it, the, <laughs> it's like super, it's very subtle, but it's, it's everywhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so that, that becomes like the norm. And it's the norm whenever, you know, all my friends are talking about like, you know, hey, we're, we're planning two ski trips this season. It's like, I'm sorry, how much does that cost? <laughs> um, but it's like, you, you can roll with it. And even like, I wouldn't say that I necessarily came from money, but I mean, I could easily find ways to roll with it. But the expectation even for me while I was in college was that we all live this lifestyle. And it was kind of like, man, we had really nice things. Like I'm probably not going to buy something that's not very nice. Um, part of that being because like, okay, I could probably swing it, but also because I would stick out if I didn't do that, whether it be like, you know, clothes that you wear or the car that you drive. Um, and the the expectation was just like, yeah, we, we all kind of like do these things, um, including thinking about entertainment specifically at least in like kind of a fraternity setting, man, you know, like sports is like constant. And just the idea of the role that sports, like professional and college sports plays in our culture and on a college campus, especially if you're in a bigger like D1, SEC, like kind of sports focused school, everything is centered around that. It's like, man, you have to go to the games.
0: You play play in your whole schedule around, when these when these games are when these tailgates are exactly in person
2: and then professional like you're always watching you like you're so much of your time is and spent now people are in fantasy bet, sports betting sports on all, betting. all these games fantasy yeah. football yeah and so the, those are just like ways that while i was in college here at the university of arkansas it was just prevalent and saturated with both consumerism and entertainment and while I was in school for sure, like trends were a thing, social media was a thing, stuff like that. M- maybe this is like one of those in hindsight, like I'm being an old head right now thinking about it, but as I see the past like even two years on on campus, trends that get set by social media, like it's a large scale trend, like you go to other campuses, you're gonna see these things too, and how quickly they filter through and how on board everybody is. Um, not to hate but the stanley one
1: I knew you were going to bring that up <laughs> I was want to hear right now We're staring <laughs> hey, at Stanley <laughs> best right Best purchase I ever made It's, hey, it's hi- just an Hydro easy Flasks
0: <laughs> are faithful and true they've proven consistent it's over a, time That's not a trend <laughs> Not a trend I have a Hydro Flask They've been here for right a decade Yeah
2: But that that's just like one that it, it's an easy silly one to see but the fact that it's so pre- it's like whenever as soon as that hit everybody had to have one. And I have heard people talk about, oh my gosh, I can't find them anywhere. And they're paying like- Or certain colors. Or certain colors. They're paying like five times as much as they're worth just to get one. And that that's just an example of there's this like trend of consumerism. It's like, oh my gosh, if I don't have a Stanley to drink out of, who am I? I can't be seen with a freaking hydro flask walking around here. Like that's <laughs> like, it's going to, it's going to say 2012? something
0: about my identity. If I have a, if I have a hydro flask or a Yeti, oh my gosh, if you have bring a Yeti mm-hmm. into a room of a, a room of Stanleys, people are going to know that, you, that you're poor.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> straight up. Um, yes. Okay. So I think that the lie in those things, one is just the identity piece, Josh, that you just hit on. Um, I think we can find our identity in, in the pack, like in a group of people and wanting to, to fit in there. And sometimes we can forget that our identity and our, our worth is not in what other people think of us. It's in the Lord. Um, but I also think, uh, when we look to, entertainment and um, you know doing all of these these fun things going on those ski trips doing whatever with all of these people sometimes that can be almost a distraction and something that we think will bring us, joy, but really it's just in in the moment. Oh, this will take my mind off the really hard things. Um, and honestly, all of these these worldly things, I mean, we hear it all the time. These things are flea- fleeting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fleeting. Yep. Thank you. These things are flea- it's like fleeting. Like chasing the wind. Mm, wow. There we go. We're, we're chasing the wind. Um, but I mean, truly, yes, they're fun in the moment, but the Lord is the one that's going to sustain us and bring us that ultimate that ultimate, um, I think, security and an abundant life, right? That doesn't mean when Jesus talks about the abundant life, it doesn't mean you know, happy all the time, carefree, no issues. But but it is a okay. I am secure in the Lord in my identity in Him in who He is, and He's the one who brings me long term joy and fulfillment. Not all of these other things.
2: Yeah, I think. But you just things that Jesus says specifically to kind of this idea? Jesus teaches a lot on like possessions and how you use your resources. Uh, And he'll, he'll literally, as he's teaching, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. He tells people, Hey, don't store up your um, treasure in things that I, like you said are fleeting, like the things that people can steal and, you know, bugs destroy and stuff like that. Um, And whenever he says store up your treasure, it's this idea of, um, if you think of the phrase, like you're putting all of your eggs in one basket, it's like, man, you're putting everything into this stuff basically. It's like that stuff like literally won't even last. It's like your your priority is not aligned correctly when you do that. He even tells a story of this guy who um, he he has this big crop harvest and it's awesome. And then the question becomes for this this farmer, what are you going to do with your excess? And he's like, you know, what I'm going to do? I'm going to build more barns, and that way we'll have more food. And then it kind of gets into this process of like the crops get it bigger and bigger, and he just continually stores up and stores up and stores up. And then it, and then at the end of the story, he gets to a point where he's like, okay, now like you know, I have. I have so much. I'm just gonna hang. Out. It's almost like I'm just gonna retire. Like I'm just gonna hang out, do all these things. And as soon as he gets to that point, he ends up dying. <laughs>
0: and he's called a fool.
2: And he's called a fool for it because he focused all of his life and resources on building up these things. But then he's like, man, you don't, you you can't control what's going to happen. And so he's he was foolish for giving his life to possessions to. Even as we're talking about what it could, how other people view you because you have things, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and, and hear us out. Like this is something at least I'll I'll speak for myself. I struggle with mm-hmm. every single day. Okay. I mean, oh, yeah. whether it's the lie of using entertainment to to numb or distract from like really hard things going on, or whether it's just this chasing after the win that maybe I'll find joy in this thing and and then maybe I get that quick dopamine hit. And then I have that kind of let down. I'm like, okay, well I got to find the next ski trip or I got to find the next vacation or I got to find the next Netflix series that is going to like, like get me locked in. And then when it's over, I'm just going to feel like just as empty as I was before. Like this is something that we are actively wrestling with and fighting through and struggling with. And so again, the truth is that that true joy, like lasting joy, as Psalm 16 says, "You have made known to me the paths of life. In your presence, this is the presence of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore." So, just a quick practical uh, thing for y'all: the next time you're you're turning to something for joy, we're not telling you don't do that thing, or or like just read your Bible twenty four seven what we're saying is what if you invited God into that mm-hmm. so one like in his, in your presence and and whatever that looks like invite God into that and ask the question is this the type of thing that will will be temporary or or give me some sort of lasting contentment mm-hmm. and start to pursue more things alongside God that that have some sort of lasting contentment instead of like temporary momentary, just like fleeting pleasures as, as they say. And so that's a big one. We could probably talk about that one for an entire episode, but we're going to move on very closely related to that. I don't think, I think we should talk about it. Is this idea not of consumerism, but of comfort. So it's not like looking for the next trip or, or, or dopamine hit but it's this idea of comfort, security, and, and safety. And I, I might even put control in that as well, but y'all can, y'all can disagree. Where do y'all see the idol of comfort most prevalent with college students today?
2: <laughs> this, one, this one's ridiculous. I don't even know if it's, it would be a real answer, but even whenever I was in school, at the U of A for some reason, if the weather gets slightly unfavorable, nobody's going to class. Like if it's drizzling, (laughs) people look out the window and be like, I ain't doing it. And it's literally because we're like, I don't want to walk up that hill in the rain. Mm -mm. I think of that one, I did it too. I think (laughs) of that one all the time. It's just a silly comfort one.
1: (laughs) Um, that was not the direction I was going with that.
2: I just, it just came in my head. I had to say it cause I know Uh y'all feel the same way out there whenever it's raining on campus.
1: Oh my goodness. I went
0: to a school where it didn't rain, but I I could, I could, I bet that would be the same as for me. Uh If I went to a school that wasn't 75 and sunny every day. Talk about comfort.
1: Okay. Whatever Josh, go home. Um, when it, when it comes to, um, comfortability, I actually, I think of, um, Almost like staying in your friend groups and never reaching out to other people. Mm. Um, and I mean, maybe it's, oh, I went to high school with them. And so now I, we're all at the same university together. And, you know, we really only hang out with each other, not because, you know, we don't like other people, but because we're comfortable with each other. And it would just, you know, almost be a lot to, or maybe awkward at first to bring in another person from class or something like that. And so we kind of just stick to ourselves. Um, I think of that when I think of comfortable. Uh, It's almost that like being exclusive, but not like intentionally trying to hurt other people in that. And I think, I mean, I know I did that in high school, um, college was different because no one i knew went to my college um but in high school it was oh like i have these friends yeah we've been friends for a while and so um i'm not going to reach out to this person or that person even though i see them you know sitting alone or doing something else that um they they might be lonely or something i'm not going to reach out to them because um that would just be leaving my comfort zone that might be weird or awkward and so i feel like that can be prevalent um even just like, oh, well, I, I have um, these people in my sorority or these people in um, this small department of the university that I hang out with. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of comfort.
0: I think of this, this story often. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a really well-known story in the Bible. It's David and Bathsheba. But the, the beginning of the story, like the entire, I would say the root of David's sin was actually comfort. It was at least the, the start of his sin was comfort. Sometimes we skip over the, the verse. I think it's 2 Samuel 12, but I could be wrong, where it says, like, in the time of year where where kings go to war, David was at home. Mm-hmm. And so he had kind of built up, you know, this prestige, this these great armies. He had plenty of wealth and renown. And usually a king was like at the front of the battle. They were leading, leading the army. And for whatever reason, like the idol of comfort came in and David decided, hey, I'm actually gonna send everyone out and stay home. And it's in that comfort seeking that we see sin after sin after sin mm-hmm. kind of like leak out of that. And, and, I, and I think in a, in a similar way, we we see the same thing with not only college students but like ourselves as well. When when we have convinced ourselves to like stay home, and that the lie is that okay, like the, this life is just about like myself. You could say you could say selfishness and self seeking and pride is probably the root of both consumerism and and comfort consumerisms like. I want, I want to experience the most comfort is like the lie is, um, I I want to almost like preserve. Mm -hmm. I I want, I want to kind of build these, these walls around me. And so I never have to do something that I don't want to do. We talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. And I do think that this has led to uh, a lot of Christians, not not wanting to like advance the gospel. Where, mm-hmm. where have you? Where have you seen that play
2: out? Yeah, that's. Um, I just think about how, if we're talking about the way that we live our we live our lives, that's primarily centered around how we steward our time. It's like, what, what are you doing exactly? And especially in college, it's an incredible opportunity to generally learn how do you steward your time. But then, as a believer, it's like what are, what are you doing with the time that you have while you're doing things like going to class, like being in your Greek house or whatever organization you're a part of, um, in just your free time? And are you thinking about how do I advance the gospel in some capacity? Um, who are people that I can share the gospel with? Um, what are things like, uh, pub Art global ministry, getting involved with like international students in some capacity, whether it be like through fellowship or through iFriend program or something like that, the idea of taking the time that we have and and giving it or sacrificing it to some aspect of advancing the gospel in the kingdom can itself be very uncomfortable because one, that takes a lot of effort, two, that takes a lot of initiative, Um, three, the situations that you end up in when you do that themselves can also be very uncomfortable. Um, whenever you share the gospel with a friend that you've made in your Greek house, uh, who is obviously not following Jesus, you have identified yourself as somebody who's claiming something to be true and telling them that like, Hey, this is what reality is. What do you think about it? Are you willing to, do you want to align yourself to this? Um, they might make fun of you. You might get pinpointed as like, the Christian that is trying to impose their beliefs on everybody else. um, Whenever you're, if you're engaging with like the international student, they probably don't speak English very well. You might have to drive them everywhere because they can't, you know, drive um, or they don't know their way around. Um, The cultural difference is like significant. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to relate to this person. And even those things become something that is very uncomfortable. And it can be very easy to just not to do any of those things but when you're when you're not doing those things, you are not advancing the kingdom. I would argue that probably, um, especially if you like, kind of have just started following Jesus. I know this was s- such the case for me whenever I was in college. Any degree of genuinely advancing the gospel is going to take uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Jesus, G- like you look at Jesus's life. Um, First of all, he traveled everywhere teaching. Cause that's, he's like, Hey, it came to preach and prevent the gospel. Um, the roads back then sucked. You're kicking your, you're kicking rocks and sandals. You're walking everywhere. That's we've, we've
0: all got that rock stuck, stuck in our Birkenstocks before. It is About. uncomfortable. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, people were rejecting him left and right. Like people in his hometown, he was getting ridiculed for the stuff he said. People who started to follow him and became his friends would end up leaving him because he was teaching things that were too hard for them to swallow. Um he would stay up so long healing people, doing like miracles meeting people's needs uh, and then get up and go spend time with God in the morning. Uh, his life in general was not comfortable. I mean, he was poor anyway and didn't have a home, let alone the type of ministry he was engaging in, which eventually led to the, the most uncomfortable obviously is you know arrest and crucifixion and stuff like that. But even just thinking for us, like if we're thinking about advancing the gospel in some way, it by nature, takes self-sacrifice, which is by definition uncomfortable because we don't want to sacrifice yeah, um, any part of ourself usually.
0: Yeah. And the, and the lie there as well is that, that the American culture has kind of seeped into the Christian culture here and has, has told us that, that this life is all you get. So, so build up barns, build up walls, hide behind screens and, and cars and just go straight into your driveway, close the door behind you. So you never have to interact with, with anybody we've been told just like hide behind your, behind the walls that you built, whatever those, those look like, because, because this is all you got where the true gospel says, Hey, this life is temporary. We're sojourners and exiles in this life. And so like go and, and step out of your comfort zone, go and do things that are, are risky, that the world would say, whoa, 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 whoa. But like, what about all the things that you could lose if you go to that place or say those things? And as Christians, we, ha- we have to go do those things because we know, hey, you know what? This life is just is, just, is temporary. This is not my home. And, and so while I'm here, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone. In my, while I'm here, I'm gonna do these things that, that are risky, and I am going to do that because I know that no matter what happens to me here, I, I have I have an eternal home, and I have comfort and refuge in in the Lord, and not in relationships, and not in possessions, and not in like buildings or walls or, or houses or, or anything like that. When I was in in Haiti. I uh, was like my first first time in Haiti, and, and you go there, and I mean it's like the poor of the poor. We were out in these villages, and we we're talking to this one guy who he had this like looked like a newborn baby, could not have been more than a couple months old, and like we're like, oh okay, like where's your wife? And we find out she she died giving birth to this to this baby, and all that he had was basically four poles and a and a tarp and like a mat. And that's all he that's all he owned. And so we're just like, oh my gosh, like I like I can't imagine what that's like. And we kind of start trying to like talk to him and ask him questions. And he like very quickly like flips the conversation and you could tell he was like smiling and 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 laughing and he was asking us questions and you come to find out pretty quickly that he he's a Christian and he, he believes in Jesus. And he asks us, he goes, he's like, what is it like to follow, follow Jesus in America? And I'm watching these Highland park high schoolers, <laughs> like, like kind of explain what, what that's like. And he goes, he goes, Oh my gosh, I don't envy you. And we had a translator and all this stuff. but he goes, I, I do not envy y'all. And you just see like the shock on their faces he goes, I pray, I pray for y'all every, he didn't say y'all, but I pray for you guys every single day. I can't imagine what it would be like to, to follow Jesus with so much comfort, so much distraction and so many other things getting getting in the way. It must be so difficult to follow Jesus. And, and in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh. That was probably one of the first times I, I was like aware of that, how mm-hmm. strong that idol wasn't even in my own life that whoa like even as a pastor I I was I was seeing his life as like man that would be that would be miserable like you know I I I feel terrible for him and he's looking at my life and saying whoa you have so many possessions so many things like so much comfort that would be that would be tough and I was (laughs) it was like this paradigm switched in in my in my mind so comfort is is a huge idol that that we see um for sure in in our culture we probably only have time for one one more so you guys pick do you want the the idol of success or of relationships
1: don't look at me come Come on on i'm not a decisive person Um, you're doing so much oh my gosh okay um I get fired up about this idol of like, oh you do you like follow oh. your own path like wait she was cho- that one of the options you no said? you
2: chose the third drop oh, but no, wait, I wait, 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 no wait. that's you good said
1: success and what else no
2: go for it no we're Shoot. doing it you do you
1: wait oh gosh you okay. do you this yeah. is, like this is your truth <laughs> that, w- that it was right a power now. move <laughs>
2: she goes
0: oh they gave me A and B and I chose C what's up
1: <laughs> really it's just because I got nervous about making a decision <laughs> <didn't. laughs> um,
0: Ila you're really growing in this area thank
1: you so much thank you for pushing me let's talk about
0: the idol of like identity you do you
1: yes okay so if the whole reason that we're talking about this right is because we want to follow jesus and then we want to learn what it looks like to follow jesus um i think the biggest stumbling block and again it gets all it gets down to i think a deep-rooted issue of selfishness or self-centeredness it's this idea that oh well I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and kind of slap the label of Christianity on it. And um, yeah, do whatever again is comfortable, whatever. I mean, really, I feel like this one just like takes all of these things and, and packages it into one. But like, it is truly this idea of I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Um, it doesn't seem like I'm outwardly hurting anyone. Um, so I'm just going to do what's best for me. And um, that's the direction that I'm going to follow. And I think it's it's also has some roots in control and wanting to know the outcome of things. But uh, I feel like that is just, I know for me, probably one of the hardest issues that I face when it comes to following Jesus. It's this idea that, okay, I want to know what's in my future. And I've seen me kind of do these things in the past and it seems to have worked out. So I'm just going to keep doing it versus, Hey, Lord, like, what do you want of me today? Lord, what direction do you desire me to go in? How do you want me to care for people? How do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to interact with my coworkers, with my classmates, with my family? And rather than having our minds set on the Lord and his desires, it is a very intrinsic I'm gonna do what I want to do. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's uh, this is one that constantly I recognize that I'm thinking like this, um, and a big part of that is that our cult, like not even just America, Western modern culture. These are like the roots, um, and it's I think a lot of it you can you can start to see it uh, whenever you realize, or maybe if you're, you talk with somebody, and they, for example, if you see somebody who is living in a way that's obviously antithetical to the way that Jesus teaches to live. And you ask them about that subject, a lot of the times you might hear, and this has come out of my mouth so many times, um, that something along the lines of, well, it seems like, well, yeah, whenever I've done this before, or well, I'm not, and it always starts with a, where you're deriving your answer is I. Mm -hmm. It's I think this. it seems like this would be okay. And what's happening there is kind of like if you go all the way back to the beginning, Adam and Eve in the story in the garden choose to define what is good and not good on their own. They get, you know, tricked into doing so. And that's what they do. And then it's a continual pattern. We, which by, is what
0: happens to us too. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: We by nature are both getting tricked by outside things, but then also just that we have a nature about us that we, think that we can and want to define what is good or not good both for ourselves and for others and lifestyles to live based on just our own perceptions. Um, So like whenever I'm in college and I'm beginning to follow Jesus, my initial thoughts about, uh, for example, how you interact with alcohol as a Christian coming from somebody who abused alcohol for years leading up to this was that Oh, okay. If I'm following Jesus now, I know you know partying, getting drunk, like that's a sin. So I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. I'll have like one or two beers. It'll just be with like friends. This is gonna be great. And it took somebody to come into my life and tell me like, "Hey, man, why do you think that this is what it means to follow Jesus in this area of your life?" And I literally was like, "Well, it's not what I used to do, right?" Um, and he, he's like, "He's like, no, you're right. It's like you're not living like that anymore, um, but." a couple of things, you're underage. Um, and also this obviously still has some type of like control in your life. Also, what does this communicate to people who are not following Jesus whenever they look at you and see you using alcohol in this stance? And so basically what he did is he removed my decision or my reasoning from what I just kind of thought could be good and shifted it to the outside influence, which is what Jesus says. And I think that is the hard thing to do is to get into this rhythm of, I'm looking to somebody else, to something else to give me the guidelines. And then I follow them rather than I'm gonna come up with my own guidelines that seem pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm, that was good. Because I think in this type of situation, we are the idol, like, like w- I, I I'm an American sometimes. idol. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Josh. Um, but the idea of, oh, I'm the main character. Oh my gosh. No, you're not. We are not the main characters. The Lord is the main character. And like God is king, you know? Oh, wait, wait, I'm not responding to that. <laughs> we'll
0: come, we'll come and we're, we're
1: the what? We're the what?
0: Soldiers.
1: Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that was all I had to say about that. Like we are not. it's the idol of self it's It's the the idol of self yeah yeah.
0: Yeah. and and it does come from this western idea of our society is hyper individualized Mm -hmm. whereas when the bible is written and most societies up until recently have been very communal focused there's like a set set of standards standards and so we see it as a western hyper individualized culture that if if anyone tells us oh no there's this like standard there's this there's this other way like and this is the way that's going to be that's going to lead to the good life we actually see it as like this uh like as an enemy to our own Mm -hmm. identity like this is pushing against who i who i am whereas what we have to what we have to see and we talked about this a couple weeks ago that if we as christians if we truly believe that jesus is lord when the things that we want and who we say we are clash against who, what Jesus wants and who Jesus says that we are part of Jesus being that authority in our life is to bend our knee and to submit to his authority instead of our own, where, where I feel like this idol has taken root in, in all of us is that for most of us, there are at least a few things where we've said, yeah, we'll give Jesus all these other things, except for this area, or except for this part of my identity, and and we make excuses, and you know we try and like maneuver around the Bible, or or use culture as a defense to kind of like confirm, like, oh no no, there's this area though that that like I'm gonna follow my way mm-hmm. instead of Yahweh. Just kidding. Sorry. Oh instead of Jesus, <laughs> instead of Jesus's Classic. way, um, and those are the areas that that we we have to release release that control over and say okay I might not even understand why fully Jesus is, is commanding this way but I, but I am going to trust that that his way is better than mine and I don't know the whole story and I don't have all the answers and so I'm going to submit to to his authority in those areas
2: yeah if I could just speak into some practical situations from personal yes. experience to this um If you are consistently going out and partying on Friday and Saturday and then coming to church on Sunday because you're a Christian, you are not following the way of Jesus. If you are interacting in a relationship with your significant other in a way that's having sex and messing around and coming to church and being involved in small group and thinking that that's okay, you're not following the way of Jesus. If you're not doing any of those things, and in fact, you're very plugged into the local church and small groups and doing a lot of Christian things. And yet you treat people with content or contempt and really poorly. um, You're also not following the way of Jesus. And those are some of the most common ways that I have personally done, but then also see people in our culture. Like I said, slap the Jesus sticker on a way of life and think that it's actually the way of Jesus.
0: Yeah. Shoot. Shoot for sure. And, and if that sounds harsh to you it's actually it's actually loving because if if the ways that that you are clashing against jesus's way like those are ultimately going to lead to to more pain Mm -hmm. and death like those are those are not what's best for you and so jesus isn't giving us these rules or this standard in order to like enslave us or because he said so but it's for for our own good. And so those things that you are doing that are against the way of Jesus are, are only leading you into more, more pain and and more frustration and, uh, are are not going to lead to life or joy. And so again, we're just scratching the surface of, of these idols in, in our culture and that we see in this community. And, uh, and so there's so many more. And so Here's your what your job is, is to try to start to identify these idols that have some sort of control in your life, identify the lies that are that are behind these idols, and then start to combat them with truth, not your own opinion, but with, with truth from God's word um, and from who you know God to be. And once we start to do that, they're going to start to slowly but surely lose power and control in our lives and we'll start to find a way that leads to to fullness of joy and abundant life in Jesus. And so we're going to continue this semester to to walk through this idea of of following Jesus. We're going to once we've identified these stumbling blocks, we're going to going to start to to see his way and how we can follow him more deeply. And so until next week.
1: Grace and peace.
0: And peace.